Hi, and welcome to the ASE 2020 project. This week, I've got something a little different for you. I've delved into my archive for a talk given by Nicolaitis to the Melbourne chapter of ISIS in 2007. And here to introduce Nick is Peter Jones. People often ask me as, as an event organiser, what is the most important element of any event? And who is the most important person? Is it the choreographer who often yells at you? Is it the designer? Is it the musical director who won't go on until the sconces have been, lights have been turned down? But there is one area that without that area working, there is no event. And that is the technical side. If people can't hear and can't see and the projectors don't work, and nothing works, then the event is a failure, With whatever, depending on what you ever do with the event. Today we have a man who lives his life on that edge because he is responsible for some of the technical aspects of some of the most amazing events you've ever seen. For those that watched Athens opening ceremony the Olympic Games and understood how that head came out and how the lake disappeared in two and a half minutes, we've just found out, this is the man who was responsible and making it work. For those that saw the tram fly in Melbourne at the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony, this was the man that made that work. For those that saw the Doha Games in Asia in December last year, who saw the, the, the biggest LED screen I think the world has ever seen, as well as other flying things, this was the man that made that work. Whilst we get up there as event people and say to the clients, oh, yeah, we can do all this, we can do it from there, this is the type of person we go to and go, oh, shit, I've just promised them that this can happen. Can you make it work? So without any further ado, would you welcome, who has flown down from Sydney to be here this morning, Nick Eltis. Good morning, and thank you, Peter, for that introduction, most of which is correct. What, I've, what I'd like to do this morning is explain some of the things that I do and some of the things that, some of the experiences that I've had and some of the challenges that we've faced and how we've done it. My job as a technical director is to take the creative vision and turn it into some sort of reality. How we do that varies for every show, and it's not often that we have to go back to the creative director and say, hey, you know what, we can't actually do that, sorry. But uh, occasionally we have to do that. We try not to do that. Peter mentioned some of the things that I've done. At the moment I'm working in Singapore, I'm back for three weeks. I'm up there doing uh, Singapore National Day, so I get to go and live in the humidity and the heat for the next three months. Before that, some of the highlights for me obviously have been the Melbourne Commonwealth Games opening and closing. I did a lot of work in Japan for the World Expo uh, in 2005. Obviously the Athens Olympics was the, the, high, the absolute highlight for me and prior to that was um, Rugby World Cup. Melbourne and it was an amazing thing to work on. The thing that I'd like to talk about for Melbourne was what we had to do. We had a creative vision which was to try and fly a tram that weighed 1.3 tonnes into the stadium and of course it had to have wings that flapped as well. So that's from a creative perspective. From a technical perspective we wanted to be able to hang 72 lights above the centre of the stadium and that that you can see up there weighs about 9 tonnes. So in the end we suspended about 13.5 tonnes above the centre of the stadium, about 39 metres up in the end. How do you do that? Well you start with a venue and we started with the MCG, and in February 2005, I was brought down to Melbourne, and I stood out in the middle with the head of production after we'd been told by a number of people who were already working on the project that we can't hang anything in the MCG. The roof can't take any weight. We can't do anything up there. So 
the two of us stood in the middle of the MCG and we looked at each other and said, I reckon those light towers can take a fair bit of weight. And from that point on, we uh, made it work somehow. We looked at many ways to make sure the light towers didn't fall down, one of which uh, was to try and guide them back, which in the end we didn't have to do for that show. The towers weren't going to fall down without that. Um, but interestingly enough, that design did end up being implemented in Abu Dhabi earlier this year for another project where we built 70-metre-high towers and suspended about eight tonnes in the middle of the stadium. So we weren't far off the mark. But uh, doing that on the back of a napkin, as we discussed this morning, about how many of these concepts start, was an interesting way to do it. We started out by going up a tower and having a look at what the view looked like from the top, 65 metres down from the top of the tower, straight down to the ground level of the MCG. And uh, I don't like heights much, so that was an, an interesting experience for me, having to go up there and, and stand there and look down and hanging on tight. At that point, after we decided that, yes, we can make it work somehow, we handed over to some people who are much, much cleverer than me, much cleverer than the guys that I was standing with, and we got some engineers involved, and we basically built some steelwork. That steelwork weighs about a tonne, and we had to lift it up into the head of the light tower in 250-kilo blocks because the, the lifting mechanism we had could only lift it in 250-kilo lots. So it had to be designed not only to, to secure the whole system, but also so that it could be lifted up there. So it was, it was kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. We also handed over to people with much better public liability insurance than me. You don't want that to fall down. Part of the process, which is, I mean, I'm just going through some of the interesting, I think they're interesting anyway, I hope others find them vaguely interesting. Part of the process that we had to go through was to pre-tension the steels. They're 38 millimeter diameter steels that held this system up. And we actually used locomotives in Sydney, two locomotives pulling against each other to pre-tension the steels so that when we put them up and we put all the weight on there, there was no stretch left in the cables, so that we knew that once we put the system up and our maths had it right, it wasn't going to move. And it didn't. And in, fortunately, our maths was right, and the flex in the towers was within about 50 millimetres of what we had calculated, or what the people with the public liability insurance had calculated at least. So that was, that was quite successful. And it all had to fit into that little space. I'm sure everyone's seen the head frames and the light towers of the MCG. That's Tower 5. Um, and you can see buried in the back there the steelwork and some of the small cables coming out the front there, which was the, the lifting cables. We did have, the, I mean, the, every step of the process is difficult, every step, and every step has to be thought about. We worked with a construction company from Melbourne to actually help us put this up. The difficulty here was actually getting the steels up over the leading edge of the roof of the MCG without completely destroying the roof, which obviously the G is a, a famous and precious ground, and we didn't want to destroy it. We did some damage here and there, but we tried not to destroy it. This is day one of lifting, where we actually had a small incident, where the concept was there were small lines used to lift up the main lines. So there was winches up on top to lift up the main lines, and one of the small lines snapped, and that's about 700 kilos of steel that fell straight to the ground, 34 metres from the edge of the roof straight to the ground, and destroyed about 70 seats in the stadium. No one was hurt. After three days of investigation by the authorities, they cleared everything that, yes, our method was safe and it was just unfortunate that that happened. We made some modifications and we were able to keep going. So we lost three days, but we still got it delivered on time, which was good. And that is the view from directly above, well, almost directly above the centre of the, the MCG as part of the lifting process. And you can see the pitch underneath there that, again, we weren't allowed to destroy the pitch.
There was a cricket game after we had put this in, so that made it even more difficult. We had to really look after the grass and make sure that we didn't destroy the grass. Finally, after two days of lifting, that's what we got to. And you can see hanging in the middle there, the centre of it. That mess of cable in the middle there is all of the power and data cable. We ran an awful lot of power and data out to the middle to make sure that things could be powered and controlled. 45 metres up, not somewhere that I'm going to. I just like that photo. It's cute. I didn't take it. I don't actually know who took that one, but it is a very cute photograph. And that's the end, end result of what we did, 39 metres up in the end. Um, and during the show, funnily enough, we actually had someone sitting on that central hub. Uh, we had two people sitting up there, and we had a camera mounted up there un under the centre. And there's a great photograph of looking straight out from the centre and two legs dangling in front of the camera. And that person sat there for the duration of the show as a rescue rigger, so that if anything went wrong with any of the 13, I think we had in the end, 13 people in the air, they could go out and get them down quickly and safely. The process we went through to make that work was finding, it was mostly engineers. I mean, we came up with the, the harebrained concepts and we came up with the practical methods of installing it, but we had a lot of engineers doing a lot of work on it for us. We had the towers x-rayed so that we knew there were no cracks in the steelwork in the towers themselves and that they wouldn't come crashing down. Um, we found the original engineer who did the, the wind calculations on the head frames of the towers and we got him to revise his what they call the sail factor, which is how much of a how much of a blockage the towers put on the wind, and therefore how much impact the wind have on the towers. We got him to revise that down because his original assessments meant that we could hang about 100 kilos in the centre on a still day. Um, in the end, we got up to a wind speed of 22 metres a second, which is cyclonic. That's seriously high winds. Um, we never got that. One night we got to 20.5, I think it was at which point we had to drop the lighting truss in, but after that we were fine. It was a bit hairy though, seeing it swinging around in the breeze. So in the end, we met the creative requirement and we suspended a tram that weighed 1.3 tonnes. That was the first rehearsal, I think, of the tram. We hadn't seen it up in the air before and that was the first night that we did that, which was quite a good feeling to see that go up. And the lighting truss, we got that up as well. Again, the first time that anyone had hung a circular truss in the centre of a stadium, or any sort of truss in the centre of a stadium. So we were quite pleased with that. The only thing that disappointed us we was, was that we wanted to put some follow spots up there. We wanted six guys up there. And the health and safety people said that we can't do that. But that would have been great fun. That would have been great fun to have that up there. That's not it, though. I mean, that, that to us, and I hope to you as well, is a reasonably impressive thing to have achieved. But that wasn't it. That was the first part of the, of the bump in. Beyond that, we built a stage in the middle that was 100 metres across and... We built a bridge that was 100 metres long and 5 metres high, 10 metres wide, that could support anything up to 3,000 athletes at any one time. And the last 30 metres of it lowered, so it tilted on hydraulics. So that was, you know, that was the next bit. And you know, we covered the ground in 13,000 square metres of cloth. The numbers are... I like the numbers. I'm a numbers person. What I've got now is what I think demonstrates the scale of what we achieve and the speed at which we achieve it. It's a short two-minute video which is a time-lapse of the build. Well, the initial part is five days of build and then some rehearsals and then the show and then the out. Really, what it shows is how small a component of what we do is the show. The two-and-a-half-hour show is but a very, very small part and it goes in a flash. Funnily enough, we had so many areas that relied on that stage being in the dead centre of the stadium and we didn't know where the centre of the stadium was until we'd put the flying system up. So we didn't actually know for the projection guys or the lighting guys where the centre was going to be. We did our maths and we got within six inches, although they were very mean to me the night that we found out and they showed me the centre four and a half feet off where I thought it was going to be. 
Thanks for listening. I'd love to get your feedback, so please share your rating and comments in the appropriate place of your player or on the project website page. This podcast is produced by me, Trevor Connell, and edited by Samantha Latto. The theme music is composed and played by Duncan Latto.